How many of y'all glad to be here tonight? Yes. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here. I just got back from Atoka, Oklahoma, preaching there and uh, doing their services and uh, leading the singing, playing the guitar and doing all that. So I've got kind of a scratchy voice. How many of y'all been sick lately? Anybody? It's been going around, hadn't it? And uh, so I was down a few times. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to sing bass. Amen. So anyway, I uh, appreciate your prayers and uh, the opportunity to preach. Thank God for Brother and Sister Gaddis and their family. And what a blessing he's been to us. And we're just thankful that uh, he's been preaching the word. I just want to say that to my pastor. When I've had time to come and hear him preach, it's been exciting in the book of Philippians, hasn't it? And in the book of Job that he's preached through and and others that he's going into. So continue to pray for his healing. And we appreciate his faithfulness. He called me and wanted to know if I was ready to go. And here I am. So I've driven about 350 miles today. I'm glad to be in the house of God. Amen. Yeah. Some of y'all are like that too, I guess. All right. Galatians, if I'd like to turn to chapter two. Galatians chapter number two. And let's stand for the reading of the word of God. And uh, continue to pray for my wife. She and I both were sick this week and didn't have the COVID to just... Uh, had some sinus stuff, and uh, but I'm doing better, and I'm not infectious or anything like that. I just have the bubonic plague, but other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> Galatians chapter 2, and I'm glad that we can have the Word of God, amen, to look to. I want us to find our scripture, if you would, in chapter 2, and verse number 16, and we say welcome to all the preachers that are here, and your families from out of town, and looking forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do with you. And uh, I know all of us are busy doing things or traveling and preaching and, and serving the Lord and continue to pray that God will heal and God will work mightily in our church. And I believe that we need revival. Amen? Amen. And revival starts with me and it starts with you. And so we'll look at it that way that God revived me work in my heart tonight. Help me be attentive to the word of God and let God speak. I'm, I was glad to hear brother uh, Rocky preach the other night. Amen? Amen. I think he needs to get a little more excited though. He was a little numb the other night. Amen. We need to talk to Brother Rocky, get him back there, amen. He needs three more pairs of glasses to go with, amen. <laughs> he's been a blessing, I tell you. What a man of God. He's been a true saint of God. We appreciate him and all the men and women of God that are serving through this local church. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now that's shouting ground right there, amen. amen. But by the faith of Jesus Christ... Even we uh, have believed in Jesus Christ, watch this, why? That we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, made just and, and righteous in the eyes of God. And so he says in verse 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I mean, I don't know, Paul was, as Saul of Tarsus, destroying this very truth. Or make, put it this way, making an attempt to. But we know that the old story of, about uh, uh, the martyrs in the first century, that the, uh, that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. You'd kill one, ten more would get saved. That was a hallelujah, amen? You can't not go against God's church and win. And notice he said, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Now let's read out loud verse 20 and verse 21. Let's begin. I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now notice verse 1 of chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched? In other words, who put a spell on you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? I'm going to preach by the help of the Lord tonight on the, the crucified Savior who loves and lives in us. Amen. The crucified Savior who loves and lives in us. When the loving Son of God is declared to live in our hearts. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. You're blessed the preaching of it. Your will be done in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. How many of y'all believe we ought to pay attention to what God has for us? Amen. I'm often reminded of that. Sometimes I'm not paying attention. Well, a lady was over here a while ago looking right at me and waving. And I know some of y'all were laughing at me because I walked up there. And she said, I want to talk to you about something else. I'm going, okay. I went right back. I didn't get offended, but I'll tell you what, I was not paying attention. And I know some of y'all were laughing at that, so we had to get it out there and get it cleared up, amen? And I can see it. When I get home, my wife says, what were you doing? Being a bonehead, amen? But y'all know that uh, we need to pay attention. And most of y'all know that I'm a Cajun from Louisiana. And sometimes I like to talk to Cajun English from way down to Bayou, amen? And so I can't help but think of our uh, uh, friend Thibodeau. You know, Thibodeau and, and Rosalie, his wife, you know, she was... In the middle of the summer, talking to her husband, she said, oh, Thibodeau, I love you so much. You're my man. And I, I just wanted to ask you a question. He said, go for it. And she said, you know, you, in the Valentine's Day, you give me the Valentine flowers, you know, but it is the middle of the summer. I like to have some flowers. He said, oh, shit, I'll go to the Walmart. I'll get you some flowers. And so he said, oh, she said, oh, my love, I'm waiting. I'll be waiting here at the house for you to bring them now. He said, okay, I'm going to go. And he got on the car and he got on to the to the Walmart, you know, he'd look around, but he got a little distracted. He got to the sporting good and got him a bass bait, you know. And so he's passing a good time around. And I, oh, oh, I'm supposed to go get the flowers. Until uh, I go home to Rosalie and I don't have them flowers, she'd be all uptight at me now. And we don't want it to happen to that, have, you know, because that'll be a mess in the family. And so he gets home and he said, hey, Rosalie, I'm back at the house. And she said, oh, Shep, so glad. Uh, how did it go? You go to the flowers? He said, yeah, I walk around, I get me a bass bait, you know. Now, he just told her that because he wasn't supposed to do that, you know. But he was trying to clear it up real quick. He said, oh, but I went and found the flowers. I found a flower section there. You know, I look around and I brought you some flowers. She said, oh, my love, I'm so glad. What, what kind of flowers you give me? He said, I got some self-rising flowers so you can make me some biscuits. And then he woke up in the hospital two days later. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I believe that Timothy was not paying no attention. No. Amen. He was acting like a couillon cajon all the time right there. And many times we do the same thing. We get distracted from what God wants us to do. We even look at the scripture. I'm guilty of this and sometimes wonder where we are with this passive scripture or what the will of God is. Or maybe our focus is on the wrong thing and we're not really seeing what God wants us to see. Now here we find in this passage of scripture that I'm going to jump right into this message tonight and the illustration is going to come a little bit more toward the end. But we're going to find here that Paul is going to make a strong rebuke in front of Peter 
that had to be declared publicly in the churches in Galatia. It was a squelch, a false notion of justified by the works of the law. Now, Peter wasn't spreading this, but there were some things that he wanted to ask, talk to Peter about because there's some, been some false men, as we find in chapter number one, that were going around proclaiming another gospel. And this gospel was a perversion to the gospel that Paul the Apostle had preached to the regions of Galatia, uh, that area there, uh, the Roman province of Galatia, knowing that this epistle is to the Galatians. We know it's not a, a city, it's a region of cities and towns. And it was written right around 50 to 60 A.D. And as this a man of God, we know Paul, the, who had been uh, appointed by the Lord as the apostle to the Gentiles, was being accused of different things. And as you know, anytime you serve God, there's always going to be the enemies that's, that's going to the the, the enemy, the flesh of the world, the devil are going to sow the seeds of discord. And uh, here you find in the first chapter, he says, I marvel that you are so soon there in verse six, removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Aren't you glad for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that we're not saved by the law and we don't have to go back into ceremonial laws and practice them? And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. I'm glad that uh, uh, he was the lawgiver. But we find here that uh, he said in verse 8 that uh, th though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I mean, I believe Paul the Apostle, if there's a time that he's very upset and he's very disturbed about uh, anyone here, it's the people that are hindering the sheep of God. And I find Christ was that way many times when the Pharisees were hurting others and preaching false gospels and false doctrine and confusion. And we're not paying attention to what he was saying. And so here he is. He's uh, wanting to let them know that he was a God called apostle there in verse number one. And he fi we find that uh, he said, I had the revelations of Jesus Christ in verse number 12. And uh, that he was doing the work of God. He was the one that God called out. He got saved and uh, he didn't confer with flesh and blood, according to verse 16 of chapter one. And he said, in verse 17, neither went I up to Jerusalem uh, to them which were apostles before me. But I went unto Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. We don't know how how long, but. Paul received revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ concerning the mysteries of the gospel. And God was going to use him, as he mentions there in verse number eight of chapter two, that he became uh, the apostle to the uncircumcision, the Gentiles. And Peter became apostle to uh, the Jewish believers. And, and they were supposed to be working in tandem together to get the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But there was a hindrance here that Judaizers had been traveling through some uh, rank missionaries been going around telling these churches uh, that uh, they needed to go back under law. And the thing they zeroed in on is circumcision. 
And he reminded them, verse number three of chapter two, that uh, when he had come back to Jerusalem some 14 years later with Barnabas and he had preached to the Gentiles and he was doing the work of God. He had Titus with him, who was a Greek, and Titus wasn't going to be compelled to be circumcised. He didn't feel like it was of God. He had liberty to preach the word of God which, without going back under the ceremonial laws. And so... There was a lot of confusion going on as others were kind of dabbling around on the on the uh, on the fence with this issue. Paul was wanting to clear this up. That's why. Have you noticed that the epistles of Paul, that as they're written, they're all not only to bring a truth, but they're always designed to correct an error. And as you read your New Testament, you're going to see that it was a constant thing. By the way, it'll be a constant thing in your life, in my life. Are we walking in the flesh? Or are we walking in the spirit? Are we trying to do things to please God? Or are we yield it to God in obedience by the power and the aid of the Holy Ghost of God? And it happens to us again, day in, day out, as we try to serve God and know that we can't keep God's law by our own ability. And that we're not justified by the law, but we're justified by grace through faith in Christ. And you're going to see here that he was very upset about an issue that Peter had. Peter was a, the great man of God. As you know, Saul got saved in Acts chapter 9 and chapter 10. God had to send the vision three times to Peter about his attitude toward keeping dietary laws and distancing himself still from Gentiles. And God said, don't, uh, if you remember the story for him to go uh, to preach to uh, Cornelius, he was to not call unclean what the Lord cleaned. Amen. And he was, he was going through the avenue of this dietary law, just like that very thing you're doing, Peter. You're treating the same Gentiles the same way. You're excluding them from your life in a way that is not right. And I want you to get that barrier broken down. And I want you to go to Cornelius' house, a Gentile. And I want you to talk to him about me. And aren't you glad Peter is much like you and I, and, I, and what I like about the Bible, God doesn't hide this stuff from us. That's one of the other evidences that the Bible is truth because God shows what we are, what we need to be and what we can become as we serve the Lord. And he said that, T. Peter, there's times that you came over and you went to the Gentile part inside of the, of the world. and You saw that we were preaching and God was saving you were with the Gentiles. But when the brethren showed up, you ran over here, act like. They had some kind of disease. You're now all of a sudden you, you don't you're, you're because you're being pressured by the Judaizers. And the Bible says here that Paul withstood him to the face. He said, my, my brother, you're not right. Now we're talking about the two leading leaders in Christianity at that time. Peter, the apostle to the Jewish believers, and, and we find Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, there needed to be order, there needed to be fellowship, and there needed to be the understanding that we've got to make a strong stance because others are watching us. And so when you come over and fellowship with my, my brothers in Christ, Paul, Peter, understand that when some Judaizer walks up or some of the brethren that are Jewish that got saved, you don't have to get up and walk away. They're believers too. How many of y'all believe there's a lot of cultural and religious backgrounds in our life that we got to get over? Yes, 
And they can be hangups in our Christian walk. And I believe most of them come at the beginning of our Christian life. But I believe a lot of times things travel with us all the way till death. Superstitious things. Now, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of things we had to break away from down in South Louisiana and North Louisiana when our family were getting saved. There was things that we had to quit practicing. All the Romanist ideas and, and, and uh, uh, the rosaries and, 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 and trying to talk and communicate to Mary and, and uh, get a wrong view of Christ. I'm glad that God, when he brought those gospel preachers from all around and came to our state, began to preach the gospel. It was a clear message that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And if you recognize you're a sinner and call on Christ, he'll save you and the spirit of God will indwell you and you'll be born again in the family of God without the aid of law. And we got saved by grace through faith. Somebody say amen. amen. And he said, Paul said in Colossians chapter one, verse six, the same way that you got saved, so walk ye in him. Continue to walk in grace through faith. But here he had to clean up this mess with these that were bringing it into the church. Now, I want this is something often not looked at. And I want you to go over with me and to uh, end of of second Peter chapter three. We think, well, my goodness, how did how did Peter and Paul get along with? Listen, Peter and Paul were great friends and great men of God. That was just an instant. That was a hang up that Peter had. And he had a lot of those all the way through until he finally gave in and let God have his way. And by by the way, it's an understanding point because you got to remember when the Jews were the were the unique, special nation for God. And then when I mean, God had to uh, uh, set them aside for a time and after Jesus died, was buried, rose again. And, and the gospel went to the Gentiles. They they began to get uh, envious and upset. Even the people that were getting saved, they said, wait a minute, those are Gentiles. They still had the cultural things they were carrying with them. And they carried a lot of that into their Christian life. And thank God for the book of Hebrews. That helps a lot of the Jewish believers. Now they had to understand that Christ is the high priest now. We got a better high priest. We got a better covenant. We, hey, we got a better sacrifice. And it's Jesus Christ in the center. Amen. Yeah. Not your works. Works are done after we get saved. We work because we're saved, not to get saved. And we don't work to maintain our salvation. I don't have to get up every day and go, well, I've got to try to do better at this. And, oh, I missed three verses in my Bible reading yesterday. Oh, oh I'm upset because I, you know, we, we get all hung up and, and think God's going to be angry with us. And then we get all these little nuances in our life. Before we know it, we're out of fellowship with God because we're trying and not trusting. And we're not getting up asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do today? We can get hung up on a lot of little issues that can muddle the message of Calvary and the gospel. And so look what happened here at the end of Second Peter chapter three. Look what look what uh, I mean, this is a, an accreditation that really is going to help Paul's ministry, but it's going to help God's people all together. Look at verse 15. And as he's ending and he said, and, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. If you're there, say amen. amen. He said, even as thou, watch this. Beloved brother Paul, aren't you glad that Peter could take a rebuke and get some things right? Amen. And that they were in fellowship with each other. Amen. Now notice what he's saying about brother Paul. By the way, this is very important for Hebrew believers that came out of 
out of, out of, uh, out of the Hebrew nation that got saved in order to bridge into fellowship with the Gentiles who were getting saved. This was very important. They needed to hear the man of God accreditate what Paul the Apostle was doing. It's very important. It was very important to these churches. It's very important to this region. And notice what he said. As he's saying about his beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. In other words, he received revelation and it was wise. You better listen to what brother Paul wrote. Continue, verse 16. As also in all his epistles, his letters, speaking to them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they are, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. That word rest means to twist or to turn. He said unstable and unfaithful men will take what Paul said and twist it. But I want y'all to know that I'm in tune with God. I'm in tune with the man of God, Paul. Paul's in tune with me. And church, you need to listen and read scripture. How many of y'all believe that a lot and most of the New Testament scripture was written by Paul the Apostle? So he needed this from Peter. Now, I understand God could use other methods, but I believe this is a very important passage of scripture for that accreditation. Notice what he says. He said there was an unlearned and unstable rest as they do also, watch, the other scriptures. You know what that's showing? That Paul's writings were scripture also. Boy, that needed to be in the Bible. That, that was going to stop a lot of this Paul, who is Paul? What is he doing? He's just rogue and he's, and he's not carrying the torch properly for us. And the Jews were very upset at him when he was doing all their dirty work and all of a sudden now he's nothing. And here he is, Peter saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. Paul's a man of God. His writings have come from revelation from God. Hey, listen, his epistles are scripture. And look what he continues to say. He says, they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, see and ye know these things before. Beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked. And he's referring to some of that, those men that Paul was speaking about in Galatians chapter 1. He said, watch this. Fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in works. Is that what it says? I know I was being a little facetious there, but it doesn't say that, does it? Peter was repeating what Paul was saying, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. So grow in the grace from Jesus, grow in the knowledge of Jesus, grow in the uh, very life and, and praising of Jesus as we serve him. Now, I like that because it helps me go back to Galatians chapter number two. That helps me see that my brother Peter and my brother Paul are right with God. Amen. And they're right with one another. And so as I look at that, I'm thinking, thank God, isn't that great? That's a great example of two men of God that still were dealing with things in their life from their past, understood and helped one another and begin to grow in the grace of God. How many of y'all believe that when God begins to grow you and I in his grace 
And he's not trying to get us away from what the Old Testament says. He's trying to show us that that was Christ concealed. Now Christ revealed the law had a purpose to bring us to Christ. And we thank God for it. But friend, I tell you what, I couldn't keep the law. They couldn't keep the law. But by grace, I'm saved through faith. And I have somebody in my heart that can keep all the law. And his name is Jesus. Now, all I have to do is live by faith. So I'm not justified by circumcision. I'm not justified by my dietary uh, meals. I'm not uh, justified by some other things in the past. Listen, I, I can go straight to Jesus and with liberty, and this is what they were afraid of, because of this liberty that we would go rogue and not live for God. Continue in the book of Galatians. Paul talks about how the, the works of the flesh are those. He lists them. And then he talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit. When you and I are walking with God in his filling, we can live in grace through faith. Amen. And we can live in revival. And so the confusion was there that he had to deal with. Paul had to refute and carry over the uh, and to refute the, this carryover of the dead things of the Mosaic law that were mixing ceremonial laws with grace for the saved. Go back to Hebrews 11. We understand that Bible says that uh, that Moses was following Christ. We go back uh, uh, in the Old Testament uh, from Adam all the way to, to Abraham. They, everybody understood that they were sinners before the law. But aren't you glad as he lists later on in chapter 3, in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He believed God by faith before Moses' law ever showed up. But remember the law of God was designing a nation, a redeemed people out of the world. And he, and, and he boarded them up and he gave them guidelines because you're going to be different. You're special. And that's a whole other account that he's dealing with them. But now that we have seen that Christ died and was buried and rose again, we can not only receive the gospel, but we can live by faith that gospel. And so you see, I like what uh, Warren Wisby said. He said to go back to Moses is to go back to the graveyard. Paul made it clear that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I talked to Connie about when she was coming out of catechisms and things that she had to deal with as a little girl, when the preachers started knocking doors and people were getting saved and her family got touched by the gospel and, and uh, came the first time as a little girl, nine or ten years old, she came to the Sunday school class. And she always dreaded church because... Nuns would twist her ear and, and they'd have to sit there in a humdrum religious format and, and everything was, un, you couldn't understand and such. The first time she went to church, she went to that little Sunday school class. That teacher was teaching those little girls and they were singing unto Jesus. And she said it was so exciting. I didn't know much about it, but I got to singing all these songs. And I, and I told mom, after, I want to go back to church. You know why she wanted? Because she saw that somebody had some liberty loving God. And that, 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 that there was a message of hope and a message of love. And over time, she received the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I tell you what, and, and uh, Christianity wasn't a drudgery. It was a joy to know that God will save me and help me to walk with him. And so you see here that Paul's helping uh, us today and these believers at that time to clear up some of the fog concerning uh, the Judaizers. This is the faith that the Son of God gives sinners to, uh, to believe. He said that gospel is, is, is his plan. And so our text tells us what we are in Jesus Christ. Let's go back, if you would, to verse number 20 and verse 21. 
and look a little closer at that and give you some thoughts from that and, and see what the Lord will show us. We find here in our text that, uh, uh, that Jesus Christ is showing us how that we are to live the Christian life. I mean, it's encapsulated right there in, in verse 20 and verse 21. You're going to see here that uh, it is a life centered on not the law, but on the lawgiver who died for sinners to redeem us. Redeem us from the curse of the law so that we could serve God by love and faith. Paul, the apostle, you see, to the Gentiles gives us the declaration of salvation by grace testimony here in Galatians 2.20. I mean, it doesn't make us uh, live more licentiously or in ignorance, but boldly in obeying Jesus Christ and his word by faith. You see, the works of the law problem I mean, there were some issues. Just think about some things. I listed down as I'm meditating on this. What happened, it, it spreads false doctrine. Uh, among, it comes from the Judaizers who's not serving God by faith. Some of them got to the level that, according to some uh, historians, that they were even saying that you have to come in Judaism, be a Jew, then you can get saved over here by grace. And what a confusion. You can't have both. And so some of that was being embedded. Now, watch this. Uh, it was a hindrance of the gospel uh, uh, to the lost. It also was confusion to those that are already saved concerning the grace message as they were to serve God by faith. And then it neglected to center Christ in salvation by replacing him with man's work effort. And then, it, listen, it automatically began to divide the Jewish and the Gentile believers. And then it was it, it began to frustrate the gospel of grace uh, message to the world. I, I personally believe it was hindering their mission work. I personally believe it, it was it was hindering revival in those churches. Uh, I, listen, you can't start taking on those ideas uh, that are unscriptural and see God bless the church. And so Paul was so serious. And, so that, and when you read Galatians, go back and read it yourself. You'll see some truths, so many truths here. I can't even touch them tonight that help us as we serve God. Well, let's look at some of these areas concerning the declaration of salvation by grace that Paul gave. He said, number one, we see my, he said, I've got a new, my new identity. I'm identifying with him. He says, I am crucified with Christ. When I got saved, I identified with the son of the living God who died on the cross. See how he's bringing us right back to the cross. He's bringing right back to the gospel, right back to Jesus Christ. He's listen, I, I, I've lived at the tree of knowledge of good and evil long enough. I, listen, that's where you meet the devil. But right here at this cross is where you meet up with Jesus. Amen. And so he did. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. And personally, when I got saved, I identify now with him. I died with him, was buried and rose again with him. When I got saved, he showed me that. This is the foundation of my salvation and service to God. When we got saved, we identified by faith in Jesus Christ and his burial and his resurrection. Listen, it all started on the cross uh, with his crucifixion. And it begins to constantly tell us all through the epistles that uh, I serve a crucified and risen Savior. And so it's so important. Our identity is with the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection. Friend, where's your identity? Are you hanging out at the tree of knowledge of good and evil or are you hanging out at the cross? Are you focusing on Christ every day or to do another law and do another rule? Now, rules are good, guys. By the way, if you're going to go to camp, obey the rules. 
Amen. If you're going to join Heartland, obey the rules. Don't be an ignorant dingbat. Somebody help me. Quit whining about it. Do what you're supposed to do. That, that has nothing to do with law abiding. It has everything to do with yielding and by grace and letting others teach you. Amen and amen. And when we serve, always identify your authority, identify the truth, and then live it by faith with the right heart. And God fills you and helps you and I grow in his grace. But we have to have an identity. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Second of all, look at my new heart, he says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He said, I've never been more alive in my life. When I thought I was uh, doing a work uh, as uh, the Hebrew hit man, and I was going around there killing believers and bringing them to sacrifice and killing them. I, I can about tell, hear the testimony of Paul saying, I heard their singing. I saw their life and right to their final death. They were living for somebody more powerful than I understood. And when I got saved, I became alive too. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Amen. That'll make a dead Baptist say amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, friend, my new heart. I've got a heart for God. I'm alive now. The new identity that Paul declared and we as believers declare is nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It is not what we do on the outside, but our life of truth and faith begins on the inside. And then God can change the outside because the inside's right. Amen. You see, a new identity, a new heart. The Holy Spirit is working. It's not what we do, it's what Jesus has done already. Now he says in Romans 6, Verse 9 through 14, many great truths. But listen, friendly, now that Jesus has moved uh, into our hearts, we must obey and serve him. Now we can live through him. When we yield to God in obedient faith, God the Spirit takes over and Jesus lives his life through us. And we're in joint effort together because we're yielded to him. Number three, notice my new life. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I mean, that is just mind-boggling. He said, he said, and then he said, in the life that I now live in the flesh. In other words, in this, in this body, in this tabernacle, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Listen, how many of y'all believe Jesus had faith? Sure, he had to teach it to us. He came down in obedient faith to the Father. When he prayed in John chapter 17, he said, not my will, but thine be done. How about us getting up every day and saying that to God? Amen. Amen. Well, we can say we had to have a better day because we're yielding to him. Notice he said now, he said, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this faith thing and, and I'm believing in God. I've got a new life and we have been justified by faith. Therefore, we must live a just life for Christ by faith. But every time I've taken over my life, I, it's been a disaster. Hey, my flesh is pretty rotten. Amen. I can't do anything by the power of my flesh. I can't do anything by the, by the power of talents or gifts. I was preaching that this morning uh, about uh, the wise man and the foolish man. And you know what? God appoints us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, to build on his foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. And it's his sayings that you find over there in Luke chapter 6. And so, and when we build our life on him, on his word, he says, now I want you to understand I'm the foundation. Now I'm putting some tools in your hand and you are, I'm going to give these spiritual tools to you to build a life. But too many times 
It's wood, hay, and stubble we start building instead of gold, silver, and precious stone. And we know the fire of God's judgment is going to prove us at the Bema seat. But friend, I'm going to tell you, Paul's excited here about his new life. Christ gave us the faith to believe and live this life of him and for him in his fleshly body of clay. It is the resurrection power of life from Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, sometimes it looks more evident and more of a, a, a gospel shock. By the way, the gospel is the dynamite of God. Amen. It's the power of God. We understand that. And when that shocking uh, evidence that somebody has to get shocked out uh, of being a lost sinner, now a saved, born again, believer in the power of God and the light of God comes in your life, there's a change. And sometimes you see in people's lives is more of an evident change than others. And that's the way my dad's life was. And, and when he got saved, he got, all, he got saved all over more than any place else. Amen. Man, he surrendered to preach. He said, I should have. He said, I knew God called me to preach the day I got saved. But I was too afraid. He surrendered a year later and a year after that. So two years after he got saved, we were headed to BBC to go to Bible college. He graduated in 1970. But uh, you talk about a changed life. I was there for the ride. Our whole family began to change. Now, how many of y'all believe that people begin to look at us different? And so dad would say, hey, we're not going to go to that Christmas party, told relatives, when we show up, unless you put that liquor away. I'm not going to have my kids around that. Oh, Ronald Lee, we're not going to do that. Sure enough, when mom and dad bedded us down, dad could hear the glasses tinkle. He could hear them cards coming out. He could hear that the language going a little sideways. And he walked in there and it was like light walked in on darkness. Amen. A new life walked into a dead life. And he said, what are y'all doing? He said, oh, Ronnie, we were just playing a little. We're just, Dad said, I told y'all that I wasn't going to be here. You're going to have that liquor. I, I, God saved me out of that. I don't want my kids around that. Can't you just stop it for a night or two? Oh, you're just being a little, you're just too religious. That was it. Y'all have a good evening. Gene, my mother, Gene, get the kids up. We're going somewhere. And boy, I could hear them shuffling my grandparents that didn't know the Lord then. Oh, oh you're, you're going to take our... Dad said, I told you. Did I not warn you? Yes, you did. But you know, you're just too religious. Well, that's fine. Where are going. We had a change. Now, listen, we need that grit every day in our life. But here I'm, just, I'm here to tell you, we lose that if we're not careful when we walk in the flesh. Notice my new life. Notice my new Savior, he said. He said, I, and, and now I live in the flesh, he said, but I, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Watch this. Now, you got to get this. Look what he said. Who loved me and gave himself for me. You'll never get saved till you realize that. He said, well, he, he can get saved, preacher, and she can get saved. Yeah, but you can get saved, too. You need to know God yourself. You see, he saved me. Oh, what a loving Savior. He loved him. That sacrificial love, that selfish love that God gave. Jesus loves and died for me personally. Friend, have you ever come to that point where you realize that you're a sinner? That you cannot save yourself? Watch this. And you believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again for you? For you? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This love spurs us to love God with all our hearts and our souls and mind and love our neighbor as ourself. 
We serve God out of love, not by law. The law says I have to. The love of God says I get to. And we gave all to me. He said he gave it all. I give him back my life. The last of all, look what he says. My new stand in grace. Look what. Oh, this is good. He said who loved me and gave himself for me. But here's that verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He had that settled in his mind. He said, what does that mean there? Well, he said, I do not frustrate. In other words, I do not, I'm not going to disannul or set aside the grace of God and step back into Judaism. I'm not going to try to have some rigid law and become a legalist that I have to step back over here when Christ has already died, was buried and rose again. I don't have to fulfill a type. He already fulfilled it. He's the substance. That's the shadow. And so now, you see, we have to be careful that we don't frustrate the grace of God. She said, what do you mean, brother? See, well, look at the verse. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. In other words, there's, there's, there's something in us, if we're not careful, can frustrate the grace of God. When we try to please God by living under law, we set aside or disannul the grace that came from Calvary and its power from working our life. It doesn't mean we lose our salvation. Aren't you glad of that? But it means here we are walking now in the flesh. We're walking in the power of works. And before you know it, I'm not walking in grace anymore. I'm losing opportunity. Amen. Come on. I'm losing blessings. God's saying, OK, you don't want me to bless you. Go ahead and bless yourself. When you're ready that I can bless you and I can work in your life, just call on me. I'm right here, child. And he reminds us every day. Hey, I'm right here. Turn to me. But God, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying. I'm yeah, you're trying. Quit trying and start trusting. Yeah. And then when we start trusting, the trying is going to flow into balance. And like a two, a rail tracks, it's going to be in parallel with the will of God. Because now I've yielded myself to God. And so we struggle sometimes in our Christian faith if we're not careful. Because we get our eyes on things to do instead of yielding what's already been done and letting the Holy Spirit of God work in our life. And so we can frustrate the grace of God. Let me illustrate. I've got a chainsaw. Now I can hear it. That's dangerous for Brother Steve to have a chainsaw. I know that's what my wife said. So I got the equipment. I got the shield. I got the guards and, and I got the boots and I'm ready to roll. So I, I go over to the hardware store. I get one of the finest chainsaws you can get. One that works great. 18 inch bar on it. Man, that thing's sharp as can be. It's pretty looking. And, and I tell you what, I, I can't wait to use it. I get out in the woods and I'm, I'm going to cut some wood and I'm excited. It's got a warranty on it. I mean, it's all ready to roll. And I get out there. And so I make my effort to get out there and start using the chainsaw. And so I'm thinking after two hours, I haven't been able to get through that six inch tree. Well, Brother Steve said, what's going on? I don't know. I took the chainsaw, see, and I put it, those sharp teeth against the tree and I start rubbing. Boy, that tree is, man, they didn't tell me at the hardware store, this is hard. How am I going to do a whole cord of wood? It's going to take me three months. But I'm out there. I've got a new, I mean, I've got this thing shiny. It's sharp. It's good. It's got warranty. It's awesome. And I'm out there and, and before lunchtime, I get in about two inches into that. I'm tired. Man, I'm getting frustrated. What is, what is wrong with this? This is terrible. There's something wrong with this chainsaw. 
So I bring it back to the hardware store. I said, man, you got a nice shiny chainsaw. It's pretty sharp and all, but I was out there cutting wood with it and it's not working good. It's, I'm tired and I'm frustrated. I said, sir, well, let me t look at it. It looks like it's all in place. You said, yeah, I see. I see it's a little worn right there where you've been using it. But what's that? What was I missing? I was missing out on the power. It had the power. All I had to do was apply it. Are y'all with me? All you had to need was a spark and ignition and a flame in there. All I needed to get that gas going. All I needed is stir it. Man, I'm going back to the woods. Woo, I'm working now. No, that thing's working because it's on. That's how our Christian life is sometimes. We're trying to work by the law and do it. It's frustrating. We're trying ourselves and we, God, we don't understand. God says, you got to plug into me. You got to yield to me. You got to find that I'm the one that helps you to bear fruit. It's the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of your work. And when you let me have my way, go back and as we end this message, go back to Galatians chapter five there. And, and let's look at that real quickly. And I'm going to show you something. And we'll be done. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Don't you love that passage about the fruit of the Spirit? He talks about the works of the flesh. But he, verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Watch this. Against such, there is no law. In other words, nothing can condemn by law that grace act of faith. There's no law in the world. There is no court. There is no judge that can condemn the power of the Holy Ghost of a fruit-bearing believer. Because it's all by grace, not by works of the law. And friend, I'm going to challenge you. Let God take his word and look at your life. Like I've often had to do. And I said, Lord, what's my problem? And he said, you're my problem. And you're your own problem. If you get in line with what I say, things will go better. And when I get right, I humble my heart and I yield and, and I let God turn the engine on. Amen. And man, I'm, I, I feel like I'm part of God's work now. Why? Because I quit frustrating the grace of God. I quit blocking the grace of God from working. So I'm going to challenge you. Are you letting the grace of God work in your life? The goodness of God's wonderful grace. You have to yield to him by faith. Let's stand every head bowed, every eye closed. Where's your life at today? Where's your heart at today? Where's your life going today? Are you letting God have his way? Or are you still over there trying to put that effort in your Christian life and now you're getting frustrated? And I'm going to tell you, the frustrating of works of the flesh just get worse and worse and worse. It doesn't get any better till you stop and let God have his way. Are you yielded to God? It, it might be. Uh, uh, some of the besetting sins in your life. Or I've had that to examine that in my life. It might be some weights that are hindering me and some things I'm not giving over to God. I'm blocking uh, the work of God because I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to quit this. I'm trying to start that. I'm trying to go here. I'm trying to do that. Before you know it, the Lord stops and says, listen to me and I'll show you what to do. Serve me by grace. I'm your savior. You're not your own savior. Call on me and I'll help you. Oh, friend, let's get a hold of that tonight. Lord, we love you and thank you. Thank you for your great grace and mercy. And guide us, Lord, to yield ourselves to you afresh and anew in your name. Amen. Hear these altars. You obey the Lord tonight.